following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We are at Minute 88 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how are you tonight? Well, Brad, I'm thinking about my future. And now, when it's time for me to check out, I want War Rocket Ajax Dispatch to bring my body to wherever it's going to be taken. Okay, it's good to plan that out. It's good to plan that out. You're still a young man. I, I am, but, you know, listen, you, you see the ads with, you know, D-list former celebrities always going on there telling you to, you know, plan ahead for life insurance and, you know, funeral plots and all that kind of stuff. So I just, you know, I want, I, I want to make sure that everything's taken care of. One thing I know is taken care of is we have an excellent guest returning today. Uh, Eric, who is with us? Returning... For a second day, Graylin Hughes, a time-based media artist. Thank you so much for having me back on. Eric, which celebrity do you want to take you to your to the final place where you're going to go? Oh, well, if I'm choosing any celebrity, then Allison Brie is bringing me. <laughs> yeah, that works. That works. <laughs> As, uh, I, I'm a, I, I didn't know this. See, Eric and I are still learning a lot about each other. Because <laughs> uh, I love Allison Brie. And I remember I was a huge fan of Community, and you could see how she was originally cast as to be sort of the quirky, nerdy girl, and then it was like halfway through the first season, somebody realized, oh my god, she is a stunningly beautiful woman. And they, they sort of changed her to become like the main love interest in the, in the show after the first season. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Love Alison Brie. I uh, yeah, I knew her from Mad Men. Um, I didn't even watch Community, oh. and I started watching Community just because of her. And I actually didn't like Community, which I know in the nerd community is probably a, a pretty blasphemous <laughs> comment. So I lasted less than a season. Uh, but then, of course, once I found out she was starring on Glow on Netflix, uh, jumped right into that show, and it's a great show. And uh, my uh, my wife unfortunately shares her first name. Uh, and so uh, she's not she's not a fan. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I, maybe I talk about her too much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's you got to be so careful when uh, when you uh, reveal your celebrity crush to your uh, to, to your partner. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brad, I just you're gonna have to do it now because if I'm gonna be in trouble, with my wife, you're gonna have to give yours out right now too. That's a good one, because uh, that's a actually. You know what? We're, we're we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll do a brief follow up because I'm be- another um, actress who was on a she was on a couple episodes of Community, uh, who just becomes um, who I've become more and more impressed with every time I see her is uh, Brie Larson, um, who's going to be Captain Marvel. Uh, they just released uh, the day we're recording this. They just came out with a bunch of. Um, Pictures, uh, like the first release of exclusive uh, photography from the set. And uh, I guess the, the, the people in the community know how to cast those quirky girl next doors who are actually stunning 
And uh, I, I think Brie Larson, and, and as she's gotten, as she's become more of a leading lady, uh, every time I see her, it's like, wow, they, she, she looks amazing. And it's such an incredible actress with a fantastic comedic timing. So uh, I'll say Brie Larson. I'll say Brie Larson. All right. All right. In hmm. Graylin? Hmm. Oh, that's a that's a that's a good one. Um, you know, I I'm gonna go back to to Selma Hayek. Um, <laughs> for whatever reason, she's she yeah she uh she's always been like on the top of my list. And this is something my wife knows. You know, we we actually have this conversation sometimes about you know uh, if it doesn't work out between us, this is uh, you know this is gonna be my next wife. <laughs> Uh, so we're, we're pretty open about that, but Selma Hayek, uh, yeah, yeah, that's always been, I, you know, I try to think of others, but I, I, I keep going back there, so I'm going to have to stick, <laughs> stick to my, other, other than my wife, my, my other, my other love. <laughs> yes, let's all say for the record right now, of course, these celebrities cannot hold a candle to our Exactly, most exactly. <laughs> we, we all like Graylin's wife more, no, wait a minute, that's not what you're saying. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I saw... Um, Selma Hayek was in, I went and saw the movie, uh, Desperado. And the first time she appeared on screen, it was just an amazing way to introduce a character and really be interested in an actress where she's just, an, looks amazing, well shot, where she's walking down this dusty Mexican street and a car accident happens behind her because someone was distracted. It's like, yeah, that's a way to introduce somebody. Yeah, I think that was my yeah, that was one of the my my earliest memories of being introduced to her as well. So yeah, yeah. So we're, one last thing before we dive in, we're 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 getting a little off track, but uh, you, you sort of reminded me, and this used to be a big thing, like the celebrity list of you know people that you're allowed to sort of cheat on your spouse with, and you won't get in trouble. So like, oh well, it's you know Salma Hayek and Brie Larson and Allison Brie, and I don't get in trouble. <laughs> and the thing I always found, and God, it was that was like the center of an episode of Friends was them making the list. And what I want to know, has anyone been saved by the list? <laughs> <laughs> has anybody had their wife, girlfriend, whatever, kick down the door, catches their husband, boyfriend, whatever, in bed with another woman, they raise the axe to just cut this problem <laughs> off, and then the guy's like, wait a minute, honey. Let me introduce you to Evangeline Lilly. If you may remember, she's number three on my list. The wife puts down the eyes like, I'm sorry. Shakes hands with Miss Lilly. Maybe asks for Channing Tatum's phone number if she has it, and then wanders off. I want to know if that list has ever helped anybody out. Don't know. It's a good question. So if any of our listeners have been saved by the list, please let us know on our uh, Flash Gordon Listener Society. Uh, uh, you know, we we, 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 we want to hear from you. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, this isn't some Hayek minute. This is minute 88 of Flash Gordon. And Eric, what happens in this minute? Well, it starts out with uh, the uh, city of Mongo uh, defenses trying to take out flash on the rocket cycle and i gotta say the city of mongo's defense systems kind of suck because those laser beams hit the rocket cycle a bunch of times and they do no damage at all and flash just you know does a u-turn and flies away it's it's, it's a small it's basically it's it's basically a space tricycle yeah yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> doesn't look sturdy. Um, also, I, I think the steering mechanism is uh, basically just seems to be Flash ducking a little. He's like he's sort of leaning. It, it doesn't look like it steers. And yeah, there's a lot of lasers in the sky. A lot of great uh, laser sounds, which are always fantastic. Oh yeah, I love oh, yeah. the sound effects are great. They are yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, they might not do much damage, but they sound amazing. Yeah, he just and, and I don't know, guys. Do you think maybe it's a trap? Because because uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem too well thought out. Flesh just flies at Mongo and then he turns around. It's like, eh, what was the big plan there, fella? Well, we'll, we'll get that, that tomorrow. Actually, <laughs> I got a whole thing about that going on tomorrow. <laughs> And, and that's pretty much the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Swoop in and make a U-turn. <laughs> this, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. You know, uh, the, the the war rocket Ajax. And I, I, I'm, I've always been a huge fan of models and miniatures. And I think it's one of the things that I really appreciated about, you know, most of this movie. You know, that it's all it's all sort of optical and practical special effects and, and uh, you know, seeing all the, 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 the little carved out rocks on the side and, the, you know, and I'm sure it was a miniature, a miniature Mongol's castle was a miniature castle or Ming's castle. Sorry. And so I, I just love this scene with the, with the model spaceships and um, you know, as, as, as fun and, and kind of cheesy as it was, this is, this is a, it's a, I think it's a great, it's a great scene, a great minute. Yeah, yeah. The rocket cycle. And, you know, when I first saw this thing as a kid, I, I was like, oh, I, I I could build one of those. Uh, and, and I think I had all of these, like, construction sets and erector sets. And, you know, I, I tried to build my own rocket cycle. And uh, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like this part. Like yeah, and the, sky, the, the skies this week, uh, we, we call it the skies a lot. They they're really look amazing uh, mm-hmm. in this minute. And, uh, Graylin, I want to I tie this into, you know, your your career and what you do. Um, you know, just the look of, of this minute and, and the, 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 the look and the colors of the movie in general. We've talked a lot about, you know, how incredible the colors are in this movie. And it's one of the things we love so much about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just you know, as a whole, looking at it, you know, with your background, what, 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 do you, what, what stands out to you? Was it, you know, the look of, of this movie and, and of these minutes? Uh, yeah, it, it's really colorful. I mean, it's really red. When I think of this movie, it's just the color red, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere, uh, uh, red and golds and things are very shimmery. Uh, you know, I, I think you know I saw this movie as a kid and and but I I never saw it in, in its entirety. So I sort of saw parts of it, uh, like I saw the second half, the first half, and then and then finally like you know we got it on VHS and I watched the entire thing all the way through. Uh, and I, I just remember the colors, like how colorful it was, and and, and um, the punchy skies. Yeah, it's it's a very vibrant movie. I mean, it's it's a very it's a very the the art direction, you know, is is, is besides the music. I, I know for a lot of folks, the music is the 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 you know very memorable part of this. But I, I think the whole the whole look and sound, uh, the laser sounds and the, and the ships taking off. I think that was that's always been very memorable for me. Yeah, the the sky in particular is is the thing that always that always stood out. Uh, the the cloudy the gassy backgrounds uh, you know uh, and uh, and again I appreciate you know just the old school filmmaking way of of, of making a movie like this uh, I think a lot of that stuff was probably rear projected and you know uh, so it was really like a big screen behind an actor <laughs> uh, you know sort of acting to it so uh, I think that part is great um, yeah yeah. The, it's actually interesting the 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 sky in the background they they used like a like a cloud tank to to shoot all of that right. stuff uh 
and so yeah one of one of my uh i had a project last year where i had to do a little research on how to to kind of recreate a smaller a smaller version of that um that i used in some in some live shows and so i learned a lot about that process of how they did it in hollywood it was a lot of fun and so yeah i kind of uh reminded me of flash gordon as i was working on this project but, yeah that's cool how did how did you do that in in a, in a similar fashion not not quite as elaborate but a small so sort of a just took a small uh small jars or small uh not not exactly fish tanks but just small square um glass cases and filled them with water and and, and for what i did is i had to set up a camera and lights around the tank uh and just use a mixture of oils and inks uh, and sort of dropped them into the water and did a lot of experiments to, just to, you know, and, and just, just kept recording to try to catch a few seconds of something. Um, and you, you really, you get, get a, a lot of bad stuff before you, you know, you can get to any, any, any just a few seconds of anything, you know, interesting. Um, and then, you know, at some point it all looks terrible and you have to dump the whole tank and start over again. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty simple. Just, just, I, I just ended up using water and, and, and some inks and dyes and oil, um, the process, you know, for doing it in film is kind of interesting because they end up using like salt water uh, mixed with fresh water, uh, which will kind of, the salt water is heavier, so it sort of leaves a layer of salt water at the bottom or like halfway through the tank, and the top half of it is sort of fresh water without salt, and they they don't actually mix, um, and so. Uh, for the Hollywood techniques, you know, they they ended up uh, doing a similar thing where they throw paint and stuff in it, and um, and I think you can get some more interesting things that way. I have not tried it with the salt water, but but I want to try it someday. Holy crap, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> damn, that is a lot. Um, now, now Grayland, you, you sort of bring up a good thing where uh, you talk about the colors and how vibrant it is, and that's something that seems lost, even lighter movies not, don't seem to go for such big colors. Mm. And can you think of an example or other films, be they recent or not so much recent, that sort of sort of evoked a similar feeling in you was like, oh, this is a like a, a big, loud movie that wants to be big and loud and beautiful. Boy, yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, because it's just not the style, right? Everything is, is sort of washed out and muted, right? That 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 seems to be the the trend or the style now yeah i can't yeah off the top of my head i can't think of anything recent that now yeah, that had that same feeling probably for a long time actually well heck you even look at you know superman and superman you, you can't get any a character any more big and bright and you know with with those sorts of colors than superman and that's not what superman looks like anymore where they sort of muted everything about the character in the man of steel and Right. Yeah, the subsequent movies with Henry Cavill. I don't know. Have you guys seen the uh, Shazam uh, trailer? I have uh, not. Yeah, I no. saw it. The best case scenario, the movie looks like it could be a superhero version of Tom Hanks Big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I know where you're going with the connection to the colors, but I just... Yeah. The trailer to me was so bad, I just, I can't... <laughs> now, is it taking place in the same world as the other, other DC films, or is it is it its own thing? I think it, it is, right? Does it? So. Are they trying to connect to things now? I think it could be... That's an excellent question. I think it could be a case of sort of like the way that the Marvel Netflix shows take place in the same Marvel universe, but you never really see... You know, aside mm-hmm. from vague references to each other... Right. You you have not seen Captain America appear in the Daredevil show, and you haven't seen Daredevil or Luke Cage pop up in Avengers. 
um, but it's still nominally the same world. But what they did do is the costume couldn't be any more bright red superhero costume. Uh, but the rest of the world is still pretty, mm-hmm. which works okay because it's the contrast. But yeah, I, I have a tough time. I can't think of one either. It, it, it's and somebody needs to go back to this because you know I, I love realistic stuff as much as anybody. But yeah, you know, it's it's nice to ha- you're denying yourself a lot of palettes on your you know on your on your canvas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the movies is is beautiful to look at. Um, I mean, everything about the, again, the, the costume design, the, you know, just the, just the world, uh, in general, um, again, very red, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a very red world, but, uh, but really oh, cool. Oh yeah. Somebody's favorite color is red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I read somewhere, um, that it's tying in Superman and the red that Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, when they created Superman, they based it on flesh Gordon costumes from the comic strip, the, the tights and the cape. Um, you know, thinking of this movie specifically, I don't know that, you know, he wears anything in this movie. Maybe there's at one point when, you know, he, he's dressed up as like a guard or something when he's given or with a cape on it. But I mean, maybe that's just because of the cape. So I don't know that he wears anything in this movie that's tied into that. But just that's a tidbit I picked up hmm. when I was doing research for the show. Yeah, I don't think Sam Jones should wear a cape. <laughs> <laughs> They really found the perfect costume for him to, to finish out this movie. Now, he looked cool in, in the scenes where Ara is helping him escape. He looked great, and that was a good costume. But it was good that they got him back to his, uh, you know, his sleeveless T-shirt and the flash. Yeah. Or, you know, that's, that's how Sam Jones should dress. And it also is a nice contrast between him and everybody else. Everybody else is so, um, so costumed up. And it's cool that everyone gets, you know, everyone gets beat up and outsmarted and, uh, you know, outfought and uh, by just, you know, a, a, a guy in sleeveless tea. That's a good point. <laughs> well, while we're still in the control room, first of all, yesterday I mentioned that it looked like they were saving money with a mannequin in the background. But <laughs> uh, so much for that cost saving theory, because the person does move in this minute. So uh, I guess they just found an actor that just wasn't interested in acting that day when they shot that part of the scene. Uh, but, you know, Kala called the colonel of the battle control room an imbecile yesterday. Today she calls him an idiot. So I'm starting to figure out why he said to hell with it, I'm taking a nap. I mean, when your <laughs> boss is calling you all these words all the time, you're just like, oh, screw this job. Yeah, you know, it turns out if you actually check, he's, uh, you know, he has his... He has his iPad or his iPad Mini, and he's he's on LinkedIn. He's like, I need <laughs> getting his resume ready. Yeah, it's like I, I'm letting my I'm letting my education degree go to waste. It's like <laughs> it's got to be a better conqueror out there somewhere. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing? Why am I working for Ming the Merciless? I need to be working for Fred that doesn't mind if you show up late to work every now and then. That's the <laughs> that's the conqueror that you want. Bob the pays for you know Bob the pays for a, a happy hour drinks. That's that's really the conqueror that you want. Well, then we go. Well, then we so then War Rocket Ajax comes out and uh, Graylin I think hinted at this before, but great sound of the rocket uh, coming out. I love the sound. Uh, just you know, nice you know, it's uh, you know, and then and it 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 modulates, it changes a bit as as it moves, so it's not just one constant hum or something like that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And then we go into the interior, 
And uh, we have the captain here. Very interesting move here, the captain. Um, it seems like he's doing something else completely unrelated to the task that they've been sent out for here. And it takes him a second to get a grip on what's going on. The lieutenant tells the captain that Flash is in range. The captain had been looking at something else. He turns when, when the lieutenant tells him this. He's got almost a surprised expression on his face. He walks over. He looks out the viewfinder for a second with a confusion on his face and then says, okay, fire. It, it just it just seems like there, there's something else going on with the captain. What the hell did this guy... What else was on this guy's plate? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. It's almost like he was coming out of the bathroom or something. It kind of <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that sliding door back there is the bathroom, and he, you know. <laughs> he didn't realize it's like he got distracted by a really uh, funny anecdote in Reader's Digest. <laughs> Reader's Digest. Dude, if any of our listeners actually read Reader's Digest, please let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Actually, people read people who read Reader's Digest don't know what Facebook and Twitter are. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody ever read Reader's Digest, or was that just something that you needed to have that in your bathroom? Like, like there was some sort of federal mandate. I feel like I remember it always being in my doctor's office when I was a kid for the parents. Yeah, I think I, I think my kids have a dentist appointment coming up soon. I'm going to have to check, because I think they're still there. And it might be the same issue. <laughs> in the 80s. It's like still some uh, humorous anecdotes from Emma Brombeck. <laughs> Some Art Buckwald humor. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So there's that. There's that. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's why Flash wins. He's the only one who really seems to be, like, engaged. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, this just might be a commentary. This, this movie all might be a commentary about the the, the foibles and the, uh, the way that communism doesn't work. Because everyone has a secure job. Uh, as long as they don't really tick off Ming, and nobody's really engaged in the job, no one's paying attention, people are falling asleep in front of Kala, uh, the, the captain doesn't even know what he's captaining, and, you know, and Flash, he's in. Say what you want about Flash, not the sharpest pencil in the drawer, but darn it, he is always engaged, and, uh, that's why he wins. It'd be great if that was it, if this, it turns out this was all just an anti-communism screed. <laughs> Sticking on War Rocket Ajax, the crew, uh, they have helmets that have the sideburns on the helmet, just like Ming wears, but they don't have the widow's peak. So I guess Ming, as the emperor, his helmet, he gets to have the sideburns and the widow's peak as part of the helmet. But if you're a crew member, you only get the sideburns. You do not get the widow's peak. Yeah, maybe that's a, that's a higher rank we haven't yeah. seen yet. Yeah. <laughs> That is the weirdest ranking system ever. <laughs> you know, a guy comes home to his wife and is like, Dolores, we're going to break out the good china. I got my, I got my sideburns today. <laughs> I thought that we were going to wait until the next round of promotions, but I, I, I've been sideburned. Well, and, and when you get, when you get uh, reprimanded, they, they, Clytus just comes over and rips off the sideburns, just snaps them off the helmet. You know? <laughs> You are a disgrace. He throws them on the ground. <laughs> Turn in your sideburns and your gun. That would, that would be so awesome. <laughs> Maybe there's some deleted footage here somewhere. Man, the deleted footage that we've imagined over the run of this show would make one hell of a movie. <laughs> it would probably be another movie altogether. 
from 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 what I understand about all the the, the production stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I feel like yeah, there's there's quite a bit somewhere. Yeah, and Eric, there there has never. Am I right? There's never really been much of a director's cut of this film released. There have been a couple of scenes that have changed from uh, the the TV version, the, the sort of the the version of the movie that, you know, was cut for time and whatever. But it, has there ever been, like, a, you know, an extra two, you know, 30 minutes of content added to any of the uh, DVD or Blu-ray releases? No, there hasn't. And, and, and not only has there not been, but one of the things that, has always uh, angered me about this is that you know the DVD that I have of this movie is is it has almost nothing for features at all. It's it's got um, an interview with Lorenzo Semple where he just rips on the movie, mm. um, and it's got an interview with Alex Ross and like the uh, influence the movie had on Alex Ross, which I couldn't care less about because it has nothing to do with the actual movie. It's just Alex Ross sitting there talking, um, and uh, oh, that's oh. it. Alex Ross, the the comic book artist. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hmm. yeah. I I wouldn't see him caring about this movie while still loving the Flash Gordon character. Yeah, I mean, he. I, I just, I, I just, I just didn't care as a fan of the movie. I could care less what Alex Ross thought of, you know, the influence on it. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, but, you know, like Brian Blessed recorded a commentary for this movie, but it was only on like a a Region Two DVD that was only released in the UK or something like that, and. Um, then uh, uh, Sam Jones and Melody Anderson, they recorded their own commentary that was available on some website years ago, and that was taken oh, wow. down. So, I mean, these things exist, and they've never been put out, at least here in the American market. And, yeah, there's no, there's no you know, B-roll reel. There's no behind-the-scenes stuff. There's, just, there's no nothing. I mean, you know, it's not a movie from 1955. It's a movie from 1980, so that stuff had to exist. Um, and that, you know, it's got enough of a cult following that it's always bugged me that this movie, uh, has never gotten that real super duper deluxe DVD treatment. Mm. Well, and, and nobody involved with this movie is getting younger. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a thing that, that's sort of that commentary track. I think that's, and that's gone away a little bit, but there was like a four or five per- year period of time where you saw a lot of that, where people wouldn't have the rights to the movie, but rather than and but there was a way to make money where and sometimes it wouldn't even people be people involved with the movie but they would uh, i remember in particular uh comedian adam carolla and dana gould recorded their own commentary track for the movie showgirls but it, it wasn't on any showgirls blu-ray or anything because god forbid but they actually uh, recorded it, and then they released it themselves on iTunes. So, and then you could buy it and listen to it on you know, your iPod, iPod while watching the movie. That sounds just like that sounds like a riff on MST three thousand. Yes, but I think there've also been cases like what you said with uh, Sam Jones and Melody Anderson, where and it makes sense. It's like, well, why why should they just record it for a Blu-ray that, that no one's interested in, and probably not get paid very well instead just release it themselves on itunes and all the profit goes to them theoretically hmm. so but yeah we'll see uh, you know the movie came out in 80 so we're two years away from a big anniversary of this movie you know we're coming up on was i get the 40 uh, the 40 year anniversary of the film maybe 
I, I'd be interested to see if there's anything uh, early in the planning stages to have like a special 40th anniversary edition and having some of that, uh, some of the special features because the movie deserves it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And we are all willing to uh, offer our services. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, uh, okay. Uh, I would promote it. <laughs> owners of the rights of the DVD, uh, if you pay us a nominal fee you can take brad and my podcast and make this the audio commentary track for the <laughs> dvd uh and we won't we won't even ask for that much money to be honest with you. just getting any money in the world of podcasting <laughs> is impressive well i just want to call out because we did mention him in this minute the captain of ming's air force uh the actor's name is david neal uh he was an accomplished british tv actor uh, and genre fans would know him one of two ways. Uh, he was in three episodes of Doctor Who in uh, 1984, and he also was one of the elders in the original Superman, one of those big head faces uh, up there saying, Oh, like Krypton. Oh, yeah. fun. It's always funny when you see those little throwaway parts in terms of like, oh, the guy who was the face there or the guy who was the hitchhiker in this movie, he was a big deal stage or TV actor and basically sort of got tossed that role. And I know um, the Superman films love doing that because, what, the original Lois Lane played young Lois Lane's mom in an early scene and stuff like that. Um, And they also did some of that with even the new films where I think the original um, Jimmy Olsen uh, was in Man of Steel or something along those lines. So I always like that. Good to call that out. Grandma, this has been a, a, another fantastic day with you. Um, now, you were you plugged your you, you, uh, your own work yesterday, but your your uh, your lovely wife she's uh, she, she she's putting on doing some cool work as well. Uh, yes, yes, my uh, Sarah, my wife Sarah. Uh, she is she is a filmmaker. Um, she you know, this year she produced two short films. Uh, well, I guess a more web series. She had her own web series uh, called Bailout that she put out a few episodes of uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, she dabbles in, in a little bit of everything. Um, she's an artist, filmmaker. I'm not. I, yeah, I wish I had a, a little <laughs> a little list of things. <laughs> Is there anywhere someone could go to find out more about her work? Uh, she does have a blog, although she she may she may be like, oh, don't give up my blog. I haven't updated it. <laughs> <laughs> If you if you do a Google search for Sara Zia Ebrahimi, um, it's actually saraziaebrahimi dot com. It's Sara spelled like Sarah S A R A Z I A E B R A H I M I saraziaebrahimi dot com. Uh, yeah, you can get a sample of her uh, of her work. Um, yeah, yeah, she does a little DJing, um, some filmmaking. She's uh, multi talented, much more interesting than Selma Hayek. So. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. You, you just know there's a chance she's going to be listening to this episode, and you better. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, excellent. Well, we recommend everyone check that out. And uh, Eric, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Find out more on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute listeners' vortex. Twitter, we are at Flash Gordon Pod. And an email, flashcordaminute at gmail.com. We ask everyone to give a, give us your ratings and reviews on iTunes. It, uh, the more people that rate, rate and review us, the better chance other people have to find our show. Uh, you know, this has been another great episode, Eric. Uh, we got a great guest. And, gosh, we're getting so 
deep into this movie. Um, so it's been a lot of fun, but but not everything's fun, Eric. No, 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 that's true. They have announced there's going to be a new Die Hard movie called McLean that is going to be apparently half Bruce Willis and then half flashbacks to a young John McClane. And good Lord, Eric, it's never going to end. Just these, these film series are never going to end. And what, what can stop them, Eric? Nothing can stop them. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. If you're really concerned about, you know, John McClane with a walker and John Rambo uh, riding around in a wheelchair... And the fact that uh, Airplane 2, I believe it was, successfully predicted all this with the Rocky 23 uh, stand showing Rocky as a really old man and something about that. If you really, really are worried about these never-ending film series, don't worry about it, because Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. Big thanks to today's guest DJ, Kathleen Mocklin. <laughs>